0: Welcome to the Um UM-YAH Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the June 24th episode of the um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's a Friday. We love Fridays. We've got Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals happening tonight between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. And guess what? We have a special guest joining us today on the podcast. Very exciting. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and sharing the show with your sports-loving friends and family. And if you're sick of going to those big sports sites and... Seeing things maybe you don't want to see, we offer you um, umyassports.com as a place where you can go and get the latest sports news and information curated from around the internets, from the socials, brought all together for you into one convenient location. No ads, no cost to you. Check it out, um, umyassports.com. Also, we are on Twitter at um yeah sports we encourage you to jump over there follow us and get going in the dialogue we love to hear from you um as a as a fan that's out there listening to the show so uh we'll see you out there we'll see you on the site thanks for listening all right with all of that out of the way we have a special guest don't we sir yes we do all right so josh carey the grandson of legendary Baseball broadcaster, Harry Carey? Harry Carey. Yes. Harry Carey uh, joins us on the uh, on the podcast. He is the play-by-play guy for the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas in Huntsville, which is a um, minor league team in support of the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, he's going to be joining us on the show. Uh, Johnny, you recorded a little interview with him yes. yesterday, so mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to that. But before we go there... We've got some things to uh, to sort of chat about um, between the uh, the NBA and the NFL. I thought we were sort of done with the NBA, but no, it never ends. I guess you never are done, as we are in the uh, free agent cycle, are we not? Yes, and trade. All right. Well, that's like free agency, right? Well, trades, similarity. Similar. Yeah, mm-hmm. just people moving. Right. Yes, there you go. All right. All right. So let's start. Uh, let's start with uh, the Wizards. Looks like Bradley Beal wants out.
1: Yeah, one of the few, uh, or yeah, one of the few superstars that are thinking about leaving their current homes to go to a different team. Uh, Bradley Beal just wants to go to a team that's a contender. Obviously, wants to get to a team that can win. Now, um, there was a report that the, he declined his his option to stay with the Wizards and is leaving. What seems more accurate is that um, he is just kind of trying to see all the options, see where he can go, see where he can land, and then kind of make a decision. We knew this was gonna kind of be a, a you know a scenario for the Wizards uh, ever since the Russell Westbrook news broke that he went to the Lakers, and even before that, they're thinking that uh, Russell Westbrook and um, and Bradley Bill were gonna go to the same team uh, and leave together, similar to the Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Devontae Adams news that was happening kind of simultaneously. Then Russell Westbrook jets and goes to the Lakers, and now he's just kind of sitting there wondering, you know, what comes next to my career, what comes next to, you know. For myself and how do I, you know, put myself in the best position to succeed. And honestly, there's a lot of teams around the league that could definitely use them. Um, I think the Heat being one of them, that will be definitely looking in, in that direction. The the Nets, if Kevin Ray and Kyrie Irving both take off, that's going to be something that they need to be looking into a little bit. Lakers for sure. and I mean, the Lakers need pretty much anyone they can get. I mean, maybe the Pistons, uh, the Wizards definitely could use him. I mean, they can't afford to lose him, especially as they're trying to rebuild. So maybe even the Magic. There's uh, there's plenty of teams that are kind of sitting on this, you know, fringe of needing help before they crash and burn. If you know these teams that are historically always been struggling, like Orlando or the Pistons or you know the Wizards. But then there's teams like the Lakers, or oh, maybe even OKC. Okay, there's plenty of teams around the league that could definitely need some help. And but the Lakers and the Heat are probably the two teams he could go to. And I think more likely the heat and have success. So it's going to be one of those things where I think I mean, over the last few seasons in the NBA, there's been big trades and free agents, uh, free agency signings that have happened. Kyle Lowry going to the heat is one of the bigger ones that we've had in the last couple of years. Um, so there's, and Demar Rose going to the bowls. Um, so there's big things and things that sh- shake up the league that have been happening. And if, if he ends up ends up moving and Kyrie and Kevin Durant all end up moving in kind of the similar time frame as one another Uh, the league could look very different in the course of a few few days Um, but yeah I think honestly if you look at at this point it doesn't seem like Bradley Beal's that satisfied with staying uh, at the Wizards because this storyline's been going on for so long if he wanted to stay they would have you know solved it by now and it's kind of opened back up again he's kind of seeing there's a market for himself so I I don't think at this point the Wizards are going to wear. He's going to have to be to win a championship, and moving now would probably be the best option when plenty of teams are still in the rebuild to taking off mode as opposed to waiting a couple years.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned the Lakers and Russell Westbrook. Apparently, the Lakers have told Westbrook that he needs to focus on defense if he wants big minutes next year.
1: Yeah. He said that's, uh, they're going to welcome back with open arms, uh, according to the article, if he plays defensively. So. That's that's nice to hear if you're you know if you're Russell Westbrook you know leaving the Wizards where you were playing, I don't get the reason why he left in the first place. That's a different story. Now, this Lakers team is in a very weird situation, uh, and might not be able to improve. Might be able to. Really, just depends. But if you look at where Russell Westbrook is now, I mean, he's more of a. I mean historically and also with the Wizards in particular, which is the last stop he had that he's playing successfully. He was a rebounding and assisting and scoring machine that, I mean, he got triple doubles um, consistently every single night. Uh, And I think he broke the record of like the most. So he's been playing extremely well in that field. And then you look at him, you say, okay, now you're going to have to play defensively. And you say to yourself, that doesn't really fall into the skill sets of what Russell Westbrook has been doing over the last few seasons. He's going to have to kind of shift gears a little bit and kind of start in this new phase. But if he decides that's not what he wants to do, or if he wants to leave, or if he doesn't do that and they bench him, whatever, it's going to be hard for him to find another suitor that's going to be like, okay, we'll take Russell Westbrook at this point and what he's able to accomplish with the Lakers. If he's coming off, you know, the type of performance he's having with the Wizards, maybe he'd be able to find a different team, but the Lakers, I think are in just kind of desperation mode. Uh, LeBron James is kind of the only good player they have left on that team. I mean, they have some good rookies that are, Kind of coming to their own, but Anthony Davis can't stay healthy, and Russell Westbrook obviously had his ups and downs last season offensively, which is kind of surprising. Uh, ever since he went to Lakers, things kind of shifted weird. But they said they're going to use him in a lot of different roles and different packages, and and in different ways in defense and offensively. But they wanted to be defensive minded because that's how you win basketball games and leave the scoring to the other guys. But they're really going to have to figure stuff out quickly. Um, I, I don't know how much longer LeBron James is going to stay. I've heard rumors that he wants to have his own team in in Vegas and I've also heard he wants to leave and you know go to a different team. So if they lose LeBron James that's going to be, you know, a very difficult thing for them to have to handle and navigate, but it doesn't seem like a very hopeful franchise. Uh they you know went for the um mega team kind of with Anthony Carmelo, uh Carmelo and then you got Russell Westbrook and then you got Anthony Davis and then you got LeBron James. Uh kind of as a starting 5. And then you have some rookies around them, but that hasn't really worked out the way they hoped. So I mean, if you look at Russell Westbrook in his situation, I think he should have stayed in the Wizards. hindsight's 2020, and then I mean, it could have gone better. It could have gone worse. Unfortunately, it slid to the worst, uh, worst for Mr. Uh, Westbrook down there in, in in LA. But he's gonna have to figure it out to try to. I mean, I would if you're thinking like strategically for his career, unless you just think about retiring or leaving. But if you think about it, you just play a year where you're playing solid defense and you play decently offensively. You can sign with a different franchise if they see your defense uh, steps up to another level or your offense kind of plays well, kind of plateaus to where it was before last season. So this season is going to be really a season where either Lakers won't pick him up and continue uh, to have him on the roster. I mean, they've dropped around aggressively. They just couldn't find a suitor. Uh, or he's going to have to figure out a way to, you know, make teams want him, or see he's going to have to <laughs> just call it quits in basketball. But I don't think that's, you know, high on his list. All right. But we'll have to see.
0: Okay. All right. Enough of the NBA. Let's get to the NFL. Uh, is Gronk really retired? I don't know that we've talked. I think you did a podcast with Reagan on Wednesday, right? Yeah. You we guys- t- we t- briefly uh, talk- talked about that for a few okay. minutes. Okay. Well, you and I certainly haven't spoken about this. So, Gronk retired. Do we believe it? Is this just a way to get out of training camp and preseason? Is he going to get a call from Tom down the road? Say, hey, we need you. Come on. What do you think? It feels very much like the beast mode situation
1: in Seattle. Uh, a few playoffs ago, where Seattle needed him to come yeah, back, and brought him he was just, just kind of sitting the there, and he came in. He's yeah. like, okay, I'll help out, even though he was retired. Uh, I feel like he's. I feel like it's the exact same situation. If you really look at it from that perspective, it's the situation of he wants to be retired. He. He's played a lot of football. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, I don't think he wants to play on maybe on the salary. I've seen money being an issue for him, but I think he just wants to get to the next phase and be retired and move on from football. However, Tom Brady is still playing football, and Tom Brady, you know, his, is his best friend in football and, and outside of football. So as long as Tom Brady's there, I feel like he's still, you know, sitting there and waiting. If Tom Brady said, hey, you know, we're about to go into a playoff run or we're in the middle of a playoff run and we need your help, you know, come on in, you know, the bucks would be fine to have him come back. And I, I think he'd jump at that opportunity. So is he fully retired, I don't think so. I think there's a world where he comes back and he, he plays more football for the bucks, but is he just trying to avoid, you know, the, the training camp and the preseason, and then the the start of the football season and the toll that it takes. I don't think that's true. I think he's not trying to avoid it where he's, trying to be like, okay, I'm just going to skip all this and then come back. I think it's more of I just don't want to deal with all of that anymore and I'll only come back if you know uh, my best friend needs me to come back or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where where we're at at this point. And I, I just think at this point, I think both of the Tom Brady, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but I think both Tom Brady and Gronkowski are both kind of <laughs> steeping
0: off yeah. and trying to get to the next phase of life. And right now it's Gronk's hard. Like, it's hard to give up the football. you know. It's hard know. to give up the rock when you've got – what? Especially like uh, Brady's got uh, seven rings, right? Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, got four, so apparently Greg Olson is—he's uh, a little skeptical that Tom will retire until he's got ten of those <laughs> ten of those rings. So he still has what three more to win? Yeah, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very easy to win. Uh, sure,
1: I, I just yeah, I based off of everything he's saying. Uh, Tom Brady is, and about how you know he thinks you know the fire is going to be going out here soon. The competitive spirit is going to go out, and he doesn't he doesn't feel like he can play at the same level. I think he's probably done after the season. I just don't yeah. see a world where he comes back, and he like I think he wants to play and he wants to go through everything, but he wants to be with his family. A and B, there's a very lucrative. 10 year deal just sitting, sitting there. to be a broadcaster yep. where you don't have to be beat up every week on yep. the football field. There's yep. not all the strain of, you know, going to meetings every single day Well, there's a, you know, you have to do the meetings with your it's you know, colleagues, different. but it's, it's different. different. It's not as taxing and you have more time with your family and it ends when the football season ends, it doesn't continue on, you know, for, you know, for a full year, so there's nicer facets of it that I think you're just going to, that's just going to call his name and be like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and take that lucrative contract and, and, and be done. Uh, plus he said he's going to take deal with the learning curve and he'd be the best broadcaster ever. Yep. So yep. that's it. That's his goal. Be the Damn. best in football and be the best in broadcasting.
0: That's, that seems reasonable. That seems like a, a reasonable goal. I know it's uh, it's a little self-serving and selfish, but I, I hope that he, uh, as long as he's playing football, he just stays in Tampa. Um, I don't, doesn't make sense to me yeah, that I don't he would go leave. somewhere else and go do it again somewhere else. Um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so we'll see what happens. It'll definitely be interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, this upcoming season and seeing what happens as we progress through it. And it would not surprise me in the least if a, uh, at some point in the season, Gronk gets a phone call. Oh, yeah, for sure. Tommy says, come. We need come. your help. I got you. We need your help. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said uh, at the at the opening of the episode, uh, we are joined on the podcast this week by son of legendary broadcaster Harry Carey, Josh Carey, the play-by-play announcer uh, for, and I think he does both TV and radio, for the Rocket City Trash Pandas, sat down with uh, with John on the Um yeah Sports Hotline to, uh, to talk a little baseball. Let's check that out all right we're here with uh, Josh Carey how you doing
2: I'm good John how are you
0: I'm doing well
1: Um, so I just have a couple questions here that I'm just gonna go ahead and start with the first one here is uh, how'd you get started in the field of broadcasting
2: well uh, when I came out of college I uh, did some marketing and I wasn't uh, fulfilled with that so uh, I actually uh, there was an open position with the Rome Braves who were the class A affiliate for the Atlanta Braves and uh, I had compiled enough of a tape to, uh, uh, to send to them through some college work that I had done. And so I just sent it to them like any open uh, position, um, you know, in the job field, and they liked it. And that's what got me started and uh, got me going to where I am today.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. And you did the, you're the voice of, the, obviously, the trash pandas right now. So have you been enjoying that?
2: It's been great. Uh, love the guys. Obviously, we're having a great year this year headed to the playoffs. Um, they've been a fun team to get to know. Uh, the Angels are a tremendous organization to work with. And so it's made the job a lot easier. And uh, just watching the guys continue to grow and improve and get better and ultimately move up. Uh, that's what the Miners are all about. So it's been a blast.
1: Yeah, and for those that might not know, the Trash Pandas are in their second season, and they are the minor league affiliate of the um of the Angels, Uh, and so Josh Carey's been doing that for a couple years, doing the broadcasting for it. Uh, And then also, what does a day in the life of a broadcaster look like for you?
2: Typically, uh, I'll get up and I'll do uh, you know your regular things that you do in the morning. You know, shower, get dressed, have a little bit of breakfast. Uh, I've got a dog that I take care of, and then. Uh, After that, I do some game notes uh, to help prepare for the game. I'll go over the stats from last night and who's playing well, who isn't. Uh, There's a database that keeps up with what guys are doing for the entire season. I'll check that out. I'll look at some of the other scores from around uh, our league from the night before, see how the other teams are doing as well. And then I'll look at some of the headlines from around Major League Baseball as well, since that's the league everyone is trying to get to anyway. So uh, really, uh, my entire morning is about just news and notes gathering and trying to see what some of the bigger stories are and who's uh, playing well, who isn't. Uh, I get to the ballpark around, I would say, 2.30 or so. Um, I do more than just broadcasting. I also do sales for the Trash Pandas. So I've got to do some sales calls usually when I get there. Check into the clubhouse, uh, see how the guys are doing on a day-to-day basis, make sure there are no injuries or roster changes, things like that. Around five o'clock, I head upstairs to my booth where uh, I fill out my lineup card and all the things like that, and get ready for the ball game. And once uh, once six uh, six thirty hits, that's when I, I'm good to go and uh, call the ball game. So that's pretty much what my day is. Um, it's not a t- typical job. Uh, I would say it's a little more than eight hours. It's about a 10 hour a day job. Um, but I love it. I love the grind. I love the, uh, uh, being around the team every day, getting to know the guys and, uh, just seeing what the result is at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things about, I mean, when we were talking earlier, uh, about the job that you do is how, uh, it's not just the broadcasting. You also have to do the sales and helping the team out in that facet. Um, and then one other thing that you mentioned is I think a lot of people, when they think of broadcasting, they think it's mostly just the job and traveling around with the team and kind of doing your different pieces. But you mentioned there's a lot of different research and things you have to do before the game. Um, and so I think that's kind of an interesting thing to you know think about how, how much goes into it. Uh, something that's been talked about uh, throughout the league a lot is, especially in the major league, is should the uh, umpires be replaced with robotic umpires to make sure that the st- uh, balls and strikes are called you know, more evenly and there's a little bit less of an opinion-based thing when it comes to calling balls and strikes uh, on the edge of the strike zone? What do you think about that?
2: Well, at first I didn't like it, but the problem is uh, the umpires are just too inconsistent. And uh, so if if they can prove that the robot umpires are going to do a better job than the human umpires, then I'm all for it. Um, What the problem is that, you know, the hitters want to have a consistent strike zone. That's what all they ask for. And the problem is the umpires, like I said, they're just too inconsistent. And so with that, when you're a hitter and you go to the plate, it's already hard enough hitting a baseball. It's even harder when you don't really know what the strike zone is. And so um, if the issue is gonna be that umpires have a hard time figuring out what their strike zone is, then I say have a robot umpire program to know what the strike zone is and stay within that. And not only does it allow the hitter a better chance to approach uh, their hitting, but it also will take a lot of pressure off the home plate umpire and allow them just to make some of the more judgment calls and allow the balls and strikes to be handled by something else. So I'm actually okay with it. Um, I think ultimately it's going to have to be put into play before we can make a a full judgment on it. So far, from what I've heard at other areas of the minor leagues, it's um, been positive. But um, we ultimately aren't going to know for sure until it's actually put into play. So I'm all for trying new things. I'm open minded. I'm willing to see it happen. And if it makes the game better, let's do it.
1: And if it does kind of start with the home place uh, or home plate umpire, would that switch to some of the other outfield ones as well? Or is it just kind of sticking to that area?
2: No, I mean, I think it's going to just stick there. I, I think we've already got it at the major league level with instant replay and everything else, but you're still going to need human umpires out there with, with things like check swing and. Uh, You know, things like that, out safe calls, uh, those types of deals as well. So it's fine to have human umpires who are going to want to break up, you know, arguments and and things of that nature as well. So there's still going to be a necessity for that. Um, But when it comes to just the daily, everyday grind of 100-plus pitches, 200-plus pitches, and making sure there's a consistent strike zone, uh, that's probably where the need is Uh, mostly needed is right there is at home plate the balls and strikes Um, it just takes a lot of strain off of the home plate umpire and hopefully creates a more consistent strike zone
1: it is it do you think when you're calling a game and you're watching a pitch come in, because uh, like you mentioned, uh, to me you have like different TVs that you're watching at the same time when you're watching the game, so you see the broadcast and where the strike zone is. Does it make it a, with the more inconsistent calls? Does it sometimes make it hard for you to you know announce it before the umpire makes the call, or do you think that's not really an issue for you?
2: Uh, it's not so much an issue for me if you do your job as a as a broadcaster. You really shouldn't um, make the call until the umpire makes it. Um, That said, I've made that mistake before where I've jumped the call. Um, But at the end of the day, you should always allow the umpire to uh, make the call first before you say anything. So it really shouldn't have uh, too much of a problem for the broadcaster. It's just that the players, the fans, everyone else, they're pretty smart. They know what a strike is and what a strike isn't. And when the umpire is just all over the place or not having a good night, it's a miserable experience for everyone. So uh, as long as if a robot umpire can help... uh, can help streamline that and can um can help prevent that from happening. Then I'm all for it.
1: Okay, yeah, and then also I noticed when I watched a few Trash Pandas game, there was something I've never seen before, which is the um the pitch uh, counter where you can uh, you can only pitch it for a certain amount of. Uh, minutes or a couple of seconds. So I think it was like uh, a little over a minute. And then if you don't, it's a ball. Uh, do you think that's going to be something that's going to be implemented to the major league or is that something that they're just kind of keeping in the minor league?
2: Well, right now it's only in the minor leagues. It's 18 seconds. Um, and they are again, using that as an experiment, uh, just like they are with the robot umpires. They're using the minors as a, uh, a proving ground and experimental ground to see if it can work in major league baseball. I think ultimately it will get up there just because uh, I think it it will help move the game along. Uh, one of the biggest criticisms of baseball is that the sport takes too long on a night-to-night basis. You're seeing three-plus-hour ball games routinely, and baseball wants to try to change that, try to shave about a half-hour off or so. And so I definitely see that coming to Major League Baseball, but they gotta be able to convince the players and the players union that it's worth the time. Now they need the data to back it up. And that's what the minor leagues are for, is to gather that data, show them that, hey, uh, having a pitch clock is a good thing. Here's the proof why. And so far it's been easily one of the best, uh, one of the best adjustments that's been made in baseball, I would say over the last 20 years, because it's making the game faster and it's more pleasant to watch.
1: And you also mentioned that the minor league is um, kind of testing ground. So they've tried the robotic umpires at this point. Uh, which one has you know been more widely accepted? Was it the pitch clock or was it the robotic umpires? Which one's having more traction, would you say? Uh, the
2: pitch clock is because they're doing that everywhere. The, um, the uh, robot umpires, they're only doing that in some of the leagues. Um, for example, they're not doing robot umpires at double A. Uh, but in AAA, I know they're doing robot umpires, uh, but they're doing the pitch clock everywhere. And again, everyone loves it. Um, I have not heard too many negative things about it. The only negative I've heard is that maybe it's, uh, you know, it rushes pitchers a little bit coming out of breaks at the beginning of every inning. But outside of that, um, I've heard nothing but positive things.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you is. Um, I've seen a lot of great stats from the players uh, from either social media, from the team, or just by watching the game. And what players do you think will be called up uh, shortly and uh, out of the people that are the starters?
2: Yeah, I don't know if they'll be called up to the majors, but I think definitely due for promotion are guys like uh, Kai Bush, Coleman Crow, who are both uh, starting pitchers. They've been fantastic of late. Um, Orlando Martinez has been hitting the cover off the ball. I think uh, LeVon Soto, who's one of the infielders for the team, he could be due for promotion as well. I would say those are probably the main guys right now. They've just been so consistent over an extended period at this point. Uh, ultimately, we're not going to really know until um, until uh, adjustments are made at AAA. I mean, there are just some guys at the AAA level who – right now are blocking that from happening because they played the same position as some of these other guys. So until the angels are willing to make some moves up at the triple a level, whether to promote guys or release some guys or whatever the case may be, uh, guys like Coleman or Orlando and Kai and uh, Levon, they're all going to be here at double a, but I think once those moves are made and I think they're going to be due here in the next few weeks, Uh, those guys will be the first one who will get promoted and they will all be deserving because they've played really well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. It sounds like, and I know that the trash pandas are I think first in the South. Is that correct at this point?
2: Yeah, they won their division. So uh, we are going to the playoffs uh, in September.
1: Very nice. So yeah. A lot of good things ahead for this trash pandas team some of the players that they have that have moved up are having success in the majors so a lot of good things uh, going to be happening for this team uh, thank you so much for jumping on and giving us an opportunity to pick your brain about some of these different topics and things that are moving on in the uh, in the uh, major league uh, and in minor league baseball
2: okay thanks John I appreciate it
0: yeah all right awesome that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yes, indeed, it was great. Indeed, yes. it was. Josh's a good guy. Yeah, it was nice of uh, to and come we, and, uh, Appreciate him jumping on the show with us. That was really cool. Yeah. All right, so it is Friday, which means it's trivia question. question time. Woo! I think last time I, I nailed it. Not Before, that you missed it last time. I think I did. I get it last time. I think. I, I think you were on a little bit of a dry spell the last. Few all right. I thought I was winning, and then you did I really maybe well missed it once, and you missed a couple, and then, and then came back again. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think know. you'll get this one. I don't keep. I don't keep fastidious record of my <laughs> wins and losses wins and losses on the on the trivia circuit but it is friday that means it's time for a trivia question sir late on me what you got all right so this is an mlb one okay so all right. who has the
1: most wins in a season okay now there's going to be a pair because two teams have tied the yes. most ever okay was it the 2001 mariners and the 1906 cubs was it the uh 1954 indians and the 1927 yankees Or was it the 2001 Dodgers and the 2019 Dodgers?
0: Okay. Okay. This one's easy. It is the first option, the Seattle Mariners in 2001. They had, I think, 116 wins. Drop the mic. But who's the other team? You did? What? 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 The other two teams team. that won it whatever option a right option you, a okay <laughs> you gave me i don't know you paired them up i don't remember it was a 1906 the, somebody cubs right? yeah, yeah yeah you got it right the I cubs right Is yeah yeah you got the cubs and he got the. you know you had to get two points because i get extra got credit because i actually gave the you names, the number of games and it's correct <laughs> yes and i can tell you that they were managed by Lupinella, the great Lupinella. okay there you go someone knows their history someone knows their mariners history yes indeed <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate you riding along, listening to the show. We can't do any of this stuff unless you're listening. Um, we encourage you, please subscribe. Please head over to umyasports.com. Please head over to Twitter at umyasports. Yeah we'll see you in all of those places soon. Join us on Monday as we pick back up again in the next episode of the show. Thanks for joining us. Stay cool.